This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. And uh, Pipe, we have uh, we have a limited time, man, so we need to get right into some sports things. And you very uh, very helpfully pointed out last night how bad my NFL preseason predictions were, and and I have to tell you, man, I don't disagree at all. Um, <laughs> I to be fair, I also pointed out that a few of mine were also dog crap. Yeah, a so, few of yours were as uh, well, and and there were a couple things I think we got like moderately right but i have to tell you man fantasy football and i know i mention this every show has just been truly the most miserable experience and like i'm quitting i'm effectively quitting i don't know if you've seen my lineup for this week but it's like i'm playing all guys who aren't playing like i i just emotionally want to be done with it so i'm i'm choosing to be done well considering your team is made up of leonard fournette and marshawn lynch and yeah a bunch of guys who actually aren't playing i really don't have a choice you're gonna say you don't really have a ton of choices when it comes to guys who are or are not playing exactly so yeah i don't know why people do this man i can't for the life of me like understand why people play fantasy it's just been to me the most miserable thing but um maybe you can shed some light on it your team is bad too though uh, my my team is just under five hundred, okay. so like I'm I'm still within striking distance of good. Here's yeah. the thing, I I have been suffering from injuries. Not me mm. personally. You are personally suffering I from am. injuries. You have the broken you have the broken toe from playing old old fashioned yeah, football. Yeah, that's right, man. Um, my my pretend football team is suffering from injuries, but is within striking distance of of being playoff bound. So I I'm still holding out hope that I can pull together this. Yeah, season. definitely. Dude, I got a question for you. Does the Scranton Stranglers owner listen to the podcast? Uh, I doubt okay. it. I'm trying to remember who that is. That's somebody named okay. Mike. Yeah, yeah, I don't know him. I think if it's if it's the person named Mike, I'm going to go ahead and guess him. Yeah, so Mike is the king of offering garbage trades every week. And this is a little PSA. Mike, if you're listening, if Mike's family is listening, tell him to stop offering the garbage trades in part because I will never do them, but also like, I'm just not playing anymore. So, um, Mike, save yourself the keystrokes in the, uh, in the time. And I'm not, I'm not doing a trace. So, uh, Mike, Mike is a, he has played in a league with the other guy who I, you know, it's kind of co-commissioned the league with a guy named yeah. Brandon, who's been a friend of mine for forever. We've talked about yeah, him yeah. on the show before. Brandon is the originator of the, the trash trade offer. Yeah. He just trolls the league with this stuff. And here's the thing. Like, every year he'll put out 80 of these yeah. offers, and he'll get two that people accept. So all of a sudden Dude, that's... he'll he'll trade, he'll trade like, uh, Will Fuller for, uh, you know, Julio Jones <laughs> and David Johnson or something exactly. like that. And you're like, yeah. what? How? But it's because... It's because people just wear Dude, it's it out. Like, he just beats people into It's like direct mail. It's the response rate. You know, if you get like two to three yeah. percent return on your direct mail piece, you're doing good. And that's how he uh that's and how he approaches as it. As a as a he was a math yep. major when we were in college together, which means I'm sure he's done a statistical analysis on this. And he's like, if I put out a hundred of these offers, it takes one and a yeah. half responses to get me a proper return. And so every time uh Scranton Stranglers, Mike sends me a bad offer, I just call him Brandon in return. Yeah. As a pejorative and ignore him. So no, that's a that's a good way to deal with it, dude. My question to you, and it's more philosophical. 
is I can't for the life of me understand why people enjoy this. Like, because only one person wins the league. You know, like at the end of the day, there's only one winner. So, like, why do people keep doing this to themselves? It's fascinating to me. And, may- and maybe it's just, maybe it's the difference between, oh, okay, so here's, a, here's the illustration. I'm playing Fantasy NBA because at the end of the day, I'm just not, like, a super knowledgeable basketball person. And it makes, uh-huh. it makes watching the basketball more enjoyable to me. So I can flip on, you know, League Pass and watch a game between the, you know, the Clippers and the Pelicans, which I, I think that's who played last night. But, um, you know, I can watch that game and enjoy it if I have a guy or two playing. And it must be the right. same for, for football people, except that I love the game. Like, I love football without fantasy. Uh, I feel like this just makes yeah, it worse. I I think that's I think that's the difference is that you are like you're a football aficionado yeah. in the sense of like you like you actually coach football. You are still putting on pads. <laughs> yeah. Granted, they are leather helmet pads and they don't cover your toes properly, so you break your exactly. feet and occasionally get concussed. Exactly. But uh, you're still you're still deeply invested in this yeah. game. Whereas fantasy, I mean, it's called fantasy football for a reason. It's not called fake football or pretend football or like <laughs> right. manage your own team football. It's called fantasy football because most people have like the best they ever got was a fantasy of playing in the professional at a professional level. So this allows us to manage a team. And I, I, I have the exact same experience playing fantasy football that you just described playing basketball. Yeah. You know, like I don't care about like a, a an Arizona Cardinals Philadelphia Eagles game generally speaking. Yeah. But fantasy football helps me care a little bit yep, more. Yep. Um, it just sort of keeps me invested. I definitely like that with basketball. Yeah. Um, so, but I think other people, other people love the the sort of the statistical competition of it, and they get real nerdy yeah. about it. Looking at you, Brandon, um, and that's you know that's fun for them. But yeah, I think as somebody who it's, I mean, I feel like you are somebody who's like if if you were a professional, uh, say, graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And you got and and like they asked you to like design the church calendar Dude, or right, something right, like right. that. You'd be like, um, I mean, I, I right. can, yeah, but <laughs> but that's not like this is what I do. And you're asking me to put clip art on exactly. something. I feel like that's fantasy football. Dude, that's helpful. That's really helpful. And I appreciate you listening to me like just vent my spleen about it each and every uh, each and every day. Now, to be clear, <laughs> if I was winning every week, I would love it. You know, so. It would be my favorite thing, but that's just that's not how it's going. That's because football is a competitive thing to you, not just like an entertainment. Absolutely, thing. you don't view football purely from an entertainment. Definitely standpoint. not, man. It, it has a much bigger role in my life than just entertainment. And to that, Piper, I uh, I kind of take it hard when things that I've predicted about the season have not gone uh, correctly, and that's been my experience this season as well, as you uh, as you so helpfully pointed out yesterday. So. Let's talk about a few of our NFL predictions, um, how they've gone, and I'll start with some that I've gotten wrong. Uh, Jacksonville. So I was bullish on Jacksonville heading into the season. I thought that defense was going to be dominant. I thought year two of Leonard Fournette um, and the defense would would hide Blake Bortles' deficiencies. I thought Bortles would mature another year into the consummate game manager that I thought he could be. and It's almost like Bortles took that as a challenge. It is. It's like he took it as a challenge and he said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on turning the ball over. 
And that's right. Oh, you thought you could make up for my deficiencies. Let me let me let show me show you, you how prominent they are. Yeah, exactly. Let me show you exactly what you're dealing with vis-a-vis deficiencies. So um, Jacksonville has massively underperformed, and I feel stupid about liking them. Um, what's one that you got wrong, Pi? Um, I believe I said the phrase. Tennessee should be a playoff contender this year. And then you asked a question at one point during our predictions about, you know, backup quarterbacks who could be this year's Case Keenum. So starter goes down, they step up. And um, I'm ashamed to say it aloud for a second time, but I'm going to because this is how one, you know, this is how you you lance the boil of stupidity. Um, I said that Blaine Gabbert had the potential to be that guy. And Um, you know what? I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. So to implicate myself in that. Um, I, I was too and, and on the Blaine Gabbert is not an NFL quarterback. He makes Blake Bortles look like uh, Drew Brees, and the Titans. Now, statistically, I think they're st- because they play in a horrific division. Yeah. They are still in the running for the playoffs. But if you've watched them play, yeah, they. They're garbage, and if they make the playoffs, they are just going to get pasted by somebody. Yeah, yeah, because Marcus Mariota apparently he's. It seems like he's regressed every year since his. Dude, he has. Year, if you could go back to, to like college Mariota, this this would be an interesting thing. But but yeah, you're right. Well, and this is the entire. Here's the thing: the entire NFL is shifting towards what has been stereotypically called a college offense. Except for Marcus Mariota, who is getting worse than he was in That's college. True. I don't. Yeah, this get should it. all be like playing to his favor. But uh, in the in the, the NFL is all like a Big Twelve game now. I mean, there's no defense. If you want to watch defense, don't watch the NFL in 2018, um, or college, or football. college football, or the NBA. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if anything, all of this should be playing like right to Mariota's strengths. But uh, but yeah, the Titans are. I think the Titans, Piper, are the least watchable team in the league. Like, you take another garbage team like Arizona, and at least they have – they're kind of fascinating in how terrible they are in that, yeah. you know, they have Josh Rosen, who I think – I truly think is going to be good. Um, yeah, he, he – when you watch him play, you're like, oh, that's an NFL quarterback absolutely. who's inexperienced. He's inexperienced. You watch Marcus Mariota play, you're like, oh, that's an experienced, really bad quarterback. Yeah, in an offense that's just abysmal in every way that an offense can be. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Titans are, they're one of the least watchable teams in the league for that reason. Like, it's just not fun to watch a Titans game. And, um, that's too bad because we live in their metro area and we're like forever watching Titans games. Yeah. I actually ponied up to, to get the, uh, the NFL package this year. Like I'm just paying an exorbitant amounts of money because I couldn't watch the Titans anymore. I was like, no, not only do I need to watch the Vikings out of a sense of loyalty and addiction and self-loathing. I need to watch anybody not the Titans. I haven't watched. I think I've watched maybe an eighth of a Titans game this year by accident, and uh, that's about all I can handle because that team playing that bad in those uniforms is just—it's really, yeah, it's really, really hard to watch. You would watch almost anything besides that. So, like, I want to—I want to stay on self-loathing a little bit, Piper, before we get back into our bad predictions. Um, where are you at? Where's your like? As you look down the road, like the into the self-loathing future, vis-a-vis the Vikings, like how do you see it playing out? So they they've set us up really well for a self-loathing yeah. year. Um, last year was a surprise, awesome year, which means when they blew it in the NFC Championship game, it was it had been sort of a, an amazing run, 
but also kind of a surprise. And those of us who were watching were like, you know, Case Keenum's not that mm-hmm. good. Now, I didn't expect the Vikings to get pasted by the mm-hmm. Eagles, but wasn't a, it wasn't a surprise yeah. that they lost. Now, this year, expectations for the year, and I this this was this was me speaking from the heart of the preseason. I said, I don't like it when we're the favorite. I'm not used yeah. to this, and it feels like a big letdown waiting right. to happen. They proceed to go out and uh, tie the Packers and lose to the Bills and just sort of, and then, you know, lose a shootout to the Rams where Sean McVay looked like a wizard waving his wand over them and making them the fools. <laughs> and and they, they, it was just a bad start to the year. They looked sluggish. Their defense didn't show up, which was supposed to be their strength. But then all of a sudden they, they turned the page after that Rams mm-hmm. game and have, or yeah, was that, I think it was after the Rams mm-hmm. game. It was after the Bills game. One yeah. of the two. I'm getting them mixed up. But then they they uh, and they've they've started to be competitive, and their defense looks good, and their offense is making up for a bad uh, a, a bad offensive line, and they've even run the ball really well, even without Dalvin Cook the last few weeks. And so here's my problem: they could go like ten and two in their next twelve games, and Vikings fans will be like, you know, Super Bowl here we come which is the worst possible place to be as a Vikings fan. Absolutely. And so like they they need to lose like every third game from here on out which makes them a playoff team but a perpetual reminder that they're flawed yeah. and we shouldn't get our hopes yeah. up. Because because the quarterback who shall not be yep. named has yet to do something disastrous this year. He fumbles periodically, but it's not the end yeah. of the world. He's been throwing the ball really yeah. well. Their offensive skill positions, other than Cook, have been mostly healthy. Like things are generally in their favor. Something's going to fall yeah. apart. It hasn't all happened yeah. yet. No, I know it's all about managing expectations, Piper. And I want to, I want to help you do that as the season moves along. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, it won't be too too big of a blow when uh, when things do finally come back to earth there in uh, in Viking Land. But Piper, I want to lay another um, preseason prediction on you, and I'm the jury's still out on this one to me. So. Uh, my prediction was I was bullish on the Browns. I was excited about what they were doing. Uh, I love their offseason. And the Browns have been they've been just about what I thought they would be, to be honest. Or maybe even a little better. Um, you know, they've been in these overtime games. They've lost overtime games that have been really close, obviously. And, you know, this is very easily a team that could be a lot better. You know, their record could be a lot better than it is now. And... Uh, they're playing competitive football, but you you put this in front of me as a as a failed prediction. So I want to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Talk about the Browns. Well, I I put it in front of you as a failed prediction because I my recollection and correct me if I'm wrong because as you as the listeners all know, our show prep for this consists of trying to remember things off the top of our <laughs> exactly. head. Um, off the top of my head, you had a deep affection for the team, and you said. I think you said you know they could be they could be a playoff team this year, like a nine and seven ish. Yeah, that was that was um, top end, something though. along. I mean, that lines. was like yeah. everything goes right for them, they could maybe be that. But but yeah, I don't recall you saying something. So you said the jury is still out on this team to take the to take the jury um, to take the jury uh, metaphor. This is a rigged jury because on that jury, the football gods have placed something called Hugh Jackson. That's true. And Hugh Jackson means that the jury will never, ever rule in the Browns' favor because he's the worst coach in the NFL. He might be the worst coach the NFL has ever yeah, seen. Yeah, he's really, really bad. He's really bad. And even the way he, like, 
throws people on his staff under the bus and these post-game pressers. I mean, it's fascinating, really, how bad it is. And um, I mean, is is there – you know, like there are coaches who you're like, oh, you know, he's a good coordinator, but he's not a great head coach. Or he's a good play caller, but he has to have the defense do something else. Or, you know, he's more of an organizational guy, but he has to let the play calling be handled. Like, is Hugh Jackson good at anything? That's the thing. I don't know. I, I don't know what he does. He, like, I, I really he don't He can't know. win a press conference. Yeah. He can't win a practice. He can't call a play. He can't hire right. people properly. He can't pick a quarterback. He can't even be like a good he, management puppet, like uh, like like the Clapper is, like uh, like Jason Garrett in Dallas. You know, yeah, like he's a he's a terrible coach too. But at least he's sort of like a an innocuous face of the franchise right. who's sort of like un, he's unembarrassing right. from a persona standpoint. Sure. Yeah, he's. I just Hugh Jackson is a disaster. <laughs> I mean, the man won one football game in two yeah, years. Absolutely. Then then. He managed like he he started this year with Tyrod Taylor, who has been an adequate NFL quarterback, turned him into a not an NFL quarterback yeah. at all, failed to start the number one overall pick, who proceeded to immediately show them that he is in fact a good quarterback. Yeah. And then he's managed them out of like two or three wins. I think they could be they could be over five hundred this year if, if they had a coach. Like if you swapped Jason Garrett and Hugh Jackson, I'd bet they'd be five hundred this year. And Jason Garrett is a a bad yeah coach. i think you're right i think you're right i think there's but but he's just like a he's like a an a, a, a plain bad yeah. coach not a historically horrendously bottom of the barrel bad right coach. he's just like a yeah basic a very basic bad coach for sure um how is it that they didn't fire here? dude i don't know I, I really don't know like i i got sort of I sort of got the the motif that John Dorsey was after in terms of personnel stuff. So that made sense. It looked like they had a plan. But um, keeping Hugh, like there was no reason to keep him because they weren't building anything and they weren't maintaining any continuity. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, usually when when a team keeps a coach, there's a sense of, you know, we want to keep the coach and the quarterback together or, you know, we saw enough good things that we want to continue to build on it. But there was really no like defensible reason to keep Hugh Jackson yeah. which makes it when there's a fascinating co- when there's a coach this bad it's it's wasting years of a quarterback's yeah. life so when you draft a quarterback high you have what what 4 to 5 years of them being paid next to nothing yeah. to to essentially load up the the rest of your roster and be yeah. great um that's how Seattle was so good early in Russell Wilson's career and why they're not now because they had to pay him like a star right. quarterback um and instead, they just burned up one of those years by by keeping a coach who's just the dumbest. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit like when the Rams drafted Jared Goff but kept Jeff Fisher. Mm-hmm. And, in, and then they made the change. And, oh, look, all of a sudden they have a, a good offensive coach who can call plays and they have Wade Phillips who can call a defense. That's, I mean, that's what the Browns need next year. They need to find like Sean McVay Jr. because they have the talent to be good. Yeah. No, that's right, man. And and the interesting thing about it though is that you put yourself, if you're the Browns, you put yourself in this tough situation every off season where it's like, what what's going to happen is the Browns are going to be six and ten, or maybe seven and nine, and there's going to be all this optimism of we've won games, but everybody's still going to know that Huey is a bad coach. So it's like. Do you go seven and nine, and you've got all this kind of optimism on one level, but then 
do you fire that coach? Do you make Baker Mayfield learn a new a new staff and and all that stuff the next year? So, you know, they've really just put off doing a hard thing. Um, well, I mean, John John Gruden is working out so well for the Raiders. Maybe they should go through ten million dollars a year, like Bill. Dude, Coward. can we can we talk about the Raiders? Like, do you think? Can well, I be, the, as a preface, let me say that one of my terrible predictions preseason was that John Gruden is playing possum. Yeah. And he's actually spent the last several years sort of studying up on modern NFL tactics. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to unleash it on the league. Well, if he's playing possum, he's doing this play dead thing for the entire yeah. year. He's really uh, playing possum. And I mean, yeah, he's I mean, he's playing super yeah, absolutely. dead. Absolutely. And uh, and it's really impressive. Absolutely. Except John, it's time to wake up now, buddy, because <laughs> you're making all of the worst moves in your team. Sucks. Exactly. So Piper, you're an NBA fan, and tanking is commonplace in the NBA. So uh, teams will lose kind of intentionally, and there, there's an art and a science to tanking in that, you know, you you put a team on the floor so that it's not like obvious and readily apparent that you're tanking. But um, you know, nevertheless, it happens a lot in the NBA. Do you think the Raiders are tanking in that they've just traded Amari Cooper, who you know we we may have differing views on Amari Cooper. I don't think he's very good. I actually think getting Amari Cooper you know, out of the building is, is not such a bad thing for the Raiders. But um, anyway, they, they trade Khalil Mack. They trade Amari Cooper. They've got all these draft picks now. They're not going to win this year. Um, do you think they're tanking? Oh, 100%. I mean, the, the fact that they they didn't even make an effort to sign Khalil Mack, who is a top two or three defensive player in the yeah. league. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of this year, before he got hurt, he was the best defensive player in the right. league. <clears throat> they didn't even try to sign him. They dumped Cooper. They all the guys they've signed have been yeah. old, which means that they want to get they wanted like placeholders for young guys. The thing is, like that's not how you rebuild in the NFL. Right. In the NBA, you do that because one or two stars and then a couple role players in your team is transformed. In the NFL, you need you need like forty decent right. players. To, to have a good roster, and they have you know three, yeah. and I'm not I couldn't name any yeah. of them. I just I'm assuming they have at least yeah. three. Um, yeah, they're tanking. It looks like the Giants are tanking now too. Because did you see the moves they made? Yeah, this week? fascinating man. Eli Apple is uh, is headed to New Orleans. What was the other Giants trade this week? It was uh, Snacks Harrison going to That's Detroit. Right. That's right. So they they traded they traded their big so two two defensive starters yep. one was Eli Apple was what like the tenth overall pick a couple years ago. Uh and then Damon Harrison, who's the defensive tackle, big run stuffer, going to Detroit. That was for like a fifth round yeah. pick too, which is dude. That's a I think it's a great Absolutely. Move for Detroit if you're Detroit, man, you do that all day long. They're deep and their and their run stopping has been really bad this year. Yep. So yeah, it looks like they're kind of loading up uh for the quarterback they should have drafted this year. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about that for a minute. Um we, I don't remember if we talked about, you know, the the controversy over drafting um, the running back in the first round for the Giants. I think, given our differing philosophies, I was probably okay with it. You probably weren't, um, and I think I agree with you now. Like, um, I, I think they definitely should have gone quarterback, and I, I think almost everyone who who watches football thinks that. Although taking nothing away from Saquon Barkley, he has been as advertised. You know, he's been. Excellent. See, I think Barkley Barkley is the best argument for not drafting a running back high because he's come mm-hmm. in as what was he the fourth yeah. pick something yep. like that. He's come in. He's been everything they hoped he yeah. would be. 
He has been a one of the, the best playmakers we've seen come into the league in years. Mm-hmm. Just explosive and strong and highlight reel everything and and their offense is abysmal. Yeah. yeah. And and so it just kind of goes to show how a be the nature of offense now a great running back is just one more playmaker on the right. team. He's not he's not the driving yeah. force. Yeah, I mean they they really should have they really should have drafted Josh Rosen and set themselves up for you know another six to twelve years of of success. Yeah, yeah. and because I mean the other thing that somehow we've missed it over the last few years, or at least a lot of people have, is Eli just falling off a cliff. Like this isn't his first bad <laughs> yeah. year. This is he's still falling. He this is like his third terrible year in oh, a row. Oh, for sure. He's a he's an awful quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what's what's going on there? I mean, in this age of like, you know, we have all this film and all these analytics and you know all these all these metrics. Yet, why why do the Giants stay with an Eli Manning? Like, is it is it just sort of the the bias of this guy's a legend and he took us to Super Bowls and you know you could make the argument that he was among the worst Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. You know, he always heated up at the right time, but he was never like a you know, a jaw-droppingly good NFL quarterback. Um, what's going oh, on? Oh, yeah. There? So, it, I well, I think I think the the main problem is that he has had enough success franchise-wise mm-hmm. that that they feel a sense of loyalty to him. Like they they want him to retire a giant yeah. because not everybody is Bill Belichick and just willing to cut ties just a little too early instead of way too sure. late. And with your quarterback, that's incredibly costly right. because you because your whole team rises and falls. Now, the thing that they could have done, which would have been like a hedge the bets, is keep Eli Manning and draft a quarterback number three overall right. because he's thirty seven years yeah. old. You know, he's it's not like he's got eight more years yeah. left. Or trade for Teddy Bridgewater mm. or. You know, and there's there's a number of things they could have done to shore up that position, and and build for the future. And instead, a team who didn't need Teddy Bridgewater traded for him as like an insurance insurance policy. Exactly. And Drew Brees is playing as well as he ever has, so they clearly don't need him. But if they did, he's there. Dude, so that that's the one I and, don't get. Like if you're Jacksonville or the Giants, you know, diff- different teams going in different directions, obviously. But you know, Jacksonville, there was the sense of. You know, this could be a Super Bowl team. And, you know, the the big move they make before the trade deadline is bringing in Carlos Hyde, you know, who will give you like Chris Ivory production. I mean, you know, you're. Which is which is fantastic for the Browns because it takes one of Hugh Jackson's idiocies out of his hands, which is running Carlos Hyde instead of Nick Chubb, who's dramatically exactly, better. Exactly. So. so you've made things easier for Hugh, um, but you haven't solved you know, the, the gaping problem on your team if you're Jacksonville. So yeah, fascinating. I think I think there's I think a lot of it is people this decision makers in the NFL are are get really attached to the cost of a player mm-hmm. or the history of a player. So with Eli Manning it's the history. Yeah. You know, two Super Bowls, uh been there a long time, they wanted to retire a giant, etc. Right. With Bortles, it's the cost, meaning we spent a really high draft pick on him. If we cut ties, we have to do the same thing over yeah. again. Except what? So instead of realizing that he's a sunk cost and you just need to cut ties, they keep just reinvesting in him, yeah. and and are going to tank their franchise. 
you know, you I think in the NFL now you probably have about a three year competitive window, yeah. um, unless you're the Patriots yeah. or the Steelers, yeah. um, dude. So and, on, on that. And they're, like, their whole roster is going to turn over in two years, and they're going to have wasted this incredible defense. Yeah, no, that's true. And and really, on that level, I mean, if you are John Gruden and you're tanking, maybe it makes more sense to trade Khalil Mack, you know, given the fact that, you know, this, the shelf life on these pass rushers seems to be a little bit shorter in that they're almost like a great running back. You know, you're going to get, like, five or six really high-quality years out of, out of a Von Miller or a Khalil Mack or whatever. And maybe if you're the Raiders, you go – it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. You know, let's let's move this guy while he's got maximum value. Yeah. Um, Here's the funny thing about that, though, is that like two weeks after they traded him, John Gruden goes into the postgame press conference and is like, man, we just we need to figure out how to get a pass yeah, rush. That like, was you, weird. You had one and you traded him to Chicago, John. Yeah. Did you forget that? Was, that? that was very strange. Not his, uh, not his finest hour on television, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it... And he's had a lot of not fine hours on television. In fact, that was his career for a long time was not fine hours. Dude, so on let's television. okay, let's talk about that for a minute. Where do you put this? Where where do you put this Monday night crew in the in the pantheon of abysmal Monday night crews? So going all the way back to like the the Dennis Miller experiment back in the late nineties, and there there have been some like really historically bad Monday night crews. Where do you where do you put this one? And would you? Uh, look- it's worse than the Dennis. It's worse than the Dennis Miller. I agree. Crew. I think. I also think that it's. I like the Dennis Miller experiment, relatively speaking, because, I, the problem is that Miller doesn't talk meathead, yeah. and you need to have a certain amount of like, I mean, think like Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, who I think I also just can't stand, but like that, they're center cut. NFL broadcasters. Yeah. They say almost nothing insightful or meaningful. They give one or two old school opinions. Yeah. There's sort of some rah-rah. Whereas like Dennis Miller's using multi-syllabic words and leaving people confused and nobody gets his jokes. And it, <laughs> they, they, the entire audience felt like he was laughing at yeah. them because he probably yeah. was. Um, I found it amusing. I think this Monday Night Crew is better than last year's sure. though. Yeah. Which was the most boring. Dude, who, who, who was Just, it last year? Sean, what's his face? Who was like he's a he he done like college basketball yeah, and some different things. Like he's McDonough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just again, very professional sounding, yep. but just like he's a he's a professional sounding play by play guy. And who was with him? I don't. Was it? I don't uh, remember. Was it Gruden? I think it was still Gruden last year. I think it was. Yeah, Dude, it, was it was Gruden, Gruden, but it was lame duck Gruden. It was like I know I'm going to be coaching Gruden. Um. So yeah, yeah that was kind of like. And and he didn't have the other people in the booth to sort of like bounce off of do the in, the interplay between yep. them yeah yep. i think i think this year's crew i think the play-by-play guy joe is a joe tessator yeah is fine yeah. you know i i never think twice about tessator he's just sort of yeah. there uh i think jason witten is a broadcasting waste of space yeah. and airways. i hate to say that he, too because i loved him as a player and it, and he seems like right. a, a genuinely like great dude but but yeah this is not for he, him once again in Jason Witten's career, he's riding Tony Romo's coattails. Exactly. Um it's uh and then Booger McFarland is just the weirdest. I mean, everything about the Booger McFarland experience is weird. First of all, his name is Booger, and people say it with a straight right. face. Like that that's a nickname. You know, we talk about how people are called like Joey as a right. grown up, and they're like, Well, when do you stop being Joey and become Joe? When do you stop being Booger? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't. Dude, what are what are? How did that what happen? Some, like, 
instances in real life where being called booger is gonna is gonna work against him. Like I'm trying I'm trying to think like when he gives his daughter away for marriage and like there there are just gonna be some times in adult life where it's it's not gonna be great to be called booger. Um, well, I want to know like if he, you know, you know, you go to the bank to apply for you know to apply for a loan or whatever. Yeah. You have to put down your real full name. It's I don't even know what his real name it's, is. Like it's Steve Anthony. Or Anthony McFarland. Anthony. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, so yeah, he's he puts down Anthony, but but he looks across at the the banker in his you know Joseph A. Bank suit and says, "But please call, call me, me booger. booger. You can call me. My like, friends call me Booger. <laughs> that's right. My friends call me Booger. What? Yeah. No, it's fantastic. But then definitely. But then he's like sitting on the sidelines. But it's like in this. It's like on a crane or something. Yeah. It's like this elevated chair, yeah. and he's doing. He's like the primary color guy. But sitting in this weird wheeled elevated chair on the sidelines instead of in the booth. So then Witten is like the third color guy or the second color guy, third guy in the booth and offers nothing. It just. Yeah, it's a disaster. I don't understand the dynamic at all. It's a disaster. And And then and then McFarland calls Odell Beckham Jr. a diva for needing to go to the bathroom instead of peeing on himself mid game. (laughs) Which is, I mean, that I think that sort of sums up the Monday Night Football experience. You have a man named Booger yeah. criticizing one of the NFL's best wide receivers and calling him a diva for not urinating on himself well, mid-game. The old should you or shouldn't you pee on yourself debate. I mean, it's it's been around as, as, since the beginning of the game. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> but again, it's kind of like the name Booger. Most of us grow out of that one at about the age of four That's and a true, half. That's true, man. That's so true. Should I or should I not pee on? Yeah, myself? Monday Night Football is disastrous, man. It's so bad, and it breaks my heart because that used to be like just the the great NFL viewing experience. You know, great crew, big games. Yeah, um, yeah that that used to be a special thing, and and now it is no longer. But pipe, we are uh, we are drawing near the end of our window of time, and I want to talk about what we're reading. This is a thing that we used to do all the time on this program. Uh, we've kind of gotten away from it. So, uh, what are you reading in sports that's been good? Um, I just read I just read a book called Wait Till Next mm-hmm. Year by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Um, so Doris Kearns Goodwin is more well known for being a historian. Yeah. So she's written biographies of like uh, Theodore Roosevelt. She wrote Team of Rivals, the the excellent Abraham Lincoln uh, bio. She wrote I think she's written on maybe Truman and but this is a memoir of hers about growing up on Long Island as a Brooklyn Dodgers mm-hmm. fan. And so it sort of weaves in. It's like a, it's a historian's, like it's, it's from a historian's giftedness, but it's like an emotional family memoir. So it's all very nostalgic, mm-hmm. but the Brooklyn Dodgers are, are kind of the main character, but then also talking about her interrela- her relationships with her neighbors who were New York Giants fans and New York Yankees fans. So for me as a baseball fan who has, I just, I have a a historic crush on the Brooklyn Dodgers. It was great. She's a brilliant writer and storyteller. And then just the nostalgia of old baseball is one of my favorite things. So uh, it's it's called Wait Till Next Year. And it's, it's a, it's a super enjoyable. Nice man. I like it, dude. So I've got a couple things as well. I'm, uh, Actually, before we got on the air today, I was reading a piece on the Players' Tribune by Darius Miles. Um, it's called What the Hell Happened to Darius Miles by Darius Miles. And um, he he's a throwback to one of my favorite eras in the NBA, so sort of that early 2000s. Uh, a lot of guys coming out of high school, that Clippers team. 
Uh, was super young, super fun. They weren't very good, but they always put on a good show. That was the Lamar Odom, Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson. Um, was Katino Mobley on that team, or did, no? He was on, he was only on the Rockets. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't I don't think Katino Mobley was on that team, but uh, okay. that was a that was a super it. fun team to watch, man. And this piece is just bananas. It's like really deep dive behind the scenes what it was like to play for Donald Sterling in the early 2000s on the Clippers. I mean, just fascinating stuff oh, about, like, man. these guys would, you know, they were an NBA team, but they they practiced it like some JUCO in South Central Los Angeles with, like, showers that didn't work and, like, metal lockers. And, you know, these guys would be rolling up to, to practice in, like, Ferraris and, and Rolls Royces and, you know, going into practice at this JUCO. But just... It's almost like Donald Sterling was a slumlord. Yeah, and crazy. You know, and as it turns as it turns out, he was both of those things. So, uh, yeah, really fascinating read there by Darius Miles. And uh, the other book that I'm reading is a um, it's an autobiography by a hockey player named Derek Sanderson. So my dad is a huge hockey guy. Um, he he grew up a season ticket holder of the the Chicago Blackhawks. My dad played hockey his whole life. He still plays at almost age seventy. So tip of the cap to uh, to pops for that. But um, the book is crazy. This guy, um, it, w- it was not put out on a Christian label. It's not a Christian book. It's really gritty. Um, but he has like a genuine conversion experience at the end where, you know, he talks about, you know, rock bottom and his brokenness and all the, all the sex and substance abuse stuff and just all the craziness that he experienced as an athlete and, um, really owns his own sin and all that in a way that, authors and famous people almost never do. So I finish this book and I go, almost no Christians will read this. Like the idea of a, of a Christian reading this would be almost shocking, but it's a book that like, you know, a Christian who likes sports should really read. And, and I think, what's the name um, of it? you know what? I knew you were going to ask me that and I can look it up right now. So um, give me one second here in the studio. Derek Sanderson book. It's called Crossing the Line, The Outrageous Story of a Hockey Original. Um, great read, man. Really fast read. Really fun. Um, Sanderson's a charismatic guy. If you, if you were into hockey at all in like the 70s and, and late 60s, you know, you'll, you'll know that name. But um, really fascinating stuff, man, and I enjoyed it. It's like the true story of Slapshot. Dude, it really is, man. It really is. And, and with, you know, someone's like real humble sort of conversion at the end which was uh like an unexpected twist i didn't expect it to to go there but um really interesting stuff man i'm uh, i'm enjoying it so pipe we that, that crossing crossing the line by derek crossing sanderson. the line by All derek right. sanderson great cool. read and piper we are now out of time so we have done what we always do on this program uh in that we have wandered to and fro throughout these topics and until next time Darius Miles. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Scripture and brain science agree. 
Meditating on God's Word transforms us and reduces stress in our lives. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week I give you space to hear God's Word, listen to the Spirit, and pray about what's on your heart. And then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.